The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. back to the Perth Football Podcast. We are back directly into your ear holes or indirectly if you're using car speakers. But if you're on the headphones, I'm straight in there. I'm Sean Fry. I'm the host coming at you from a seated position. We've all been standing a lot today. Uh, opposite me are, are two of the greatest uh, football pundits in the history of the Perth Football Podcast. Kalichi Osunwa. How are you, Producer Kalichi? I loved the uh, hyperbole. And then it was just like, actually, no, it's actually factually, factually correct. correct. Factually correct. Tommy so Dolman, I, I'm you doing are, very well. You're also here. I am. Hello, Sean. Better say probably the greatest journalist and pundit on the Perth Football Podcast. Uh, the only be... journalist and yeah. pundit. <laughs> yeah. Had a good day? Decent enough, all things considered for a Monday, yeah. Yeah, long day at work. All the better for seeing you boys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Stop fantastic. Yeah. Now, we're going to kick things off, part one here on the Perth Football Podcast today uh, with the MPLW. There's not a lot to talk about. Uh, league's been decided, obviously. There are a couple of little wrinkles. Um, so while we're on the women's football, I guess we should uh, congratulate our new Spanish overlords, the kings of women's football, the Spanish women's football team winning the... the queens of Spanish football, winning Sean. Winning the... Oh, jeez. What is wrong with me? Uh, yeah, I just, I just don't like the monarchy, so I don't like to give them their, their correct titles. But uh, they deserved it, Tommy? They did. They were the better team uh, throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, I thought England started okay, but really it was Spain's... Sorry, it was in Spain's control for most of the game. The, the, the fixture was played on their terms. And they responded really well to England's formation, which was the three at the back with the wing backs in in bronze and Rachel Daly. And um, as as a result, they were able to sort of over- overload the midfield a little bit. Walsh and Stanway were were really strangled, I thought, for the most part. They couldn't really get into the game. Neither could Ella Toon, um, who was so good, I thought, against Australia in the semifinal. She wasn't quite able to get involved in the final as much. And as a result, Savina Wiegmann had to change things at the 45-minute mark. She went with a double swap. Um and it didn't quite pay off. Um, Lauren James obviously came on, took a little while to get going, having not played in any of the two previous two rounds. And as a result, I thought Spain were pretty comfortable for the most part in the second half. And look, it's a well-deserved um, World Cup for them. I think there's obviously been a little bit going on in the background in terms of Jorge Vilda and um, and the Spanish FA. Um, but that's probably for another podcast. And and as things stand on the pitch, we we just have to congratulate the Spanish team on on their on their tournament and their World Cup win. And you were saying that halftime substitution, talking to us earlier, you don't think that was the right change? I, I was saying that obviously they needed a change. They were they were being run over in midfield. Uh, what? What would you have made a change at halftime, and what change would you have made if you were in uh, in Vogman's shoes? Well, if, look, if you've been run over, uh, the perfect person to come on and stamp your authority on a game is Lauren James, surely. Well, I think the I, I agree with Kalichi. Yes, yeah, so I yeah, got that. Well done, Kalichi. I think she would have had to have come on. I, it, I would have probably brought her on just as the one substitution for for Ella Toon, just because Ella Toon wasn't really she was ineffectual for most of the game. 
I was surprised that they took off their two leading scorers in the WSL last season, and Alessia Russo and Rachel Daly, and especially Rachel Rachel Daly, who plays. She was playing. She's been playing as a left wing back for most of the tournament. But he sort of. She sort of got rid of that trump card of being able to throw her up front or higher up the pitch later in the game when England were chasing that game in the final 10, 15 minutes. So, um, I mean, Serena Vigman knows far more about football than I will ever know. Um, that's that's worth a, um, a a sort of clarification, but maybe the double substitution was maybe a little bit reactive. Um, but to be fair, Spain could have been 3-0 up in that first half, so maybe it wasn't as reactive as I thought. And obviously the, the, the thing about having Roos on the pitch is match winner can score goals out of nothing as she did against Australia as well. You only need one chance and, and in those games it becomes really, really critical um, that you need to have someone who's going to be clinical when you do get that half a chance. Um, but yeah, Spain were by far the, the better team and I just want to read a quick tweet which kind of summed up my emotions before the game. Um, it's by the homie Zit, uh, Zito um, and you can find him at underscore Zietz, Z-E-E-T-S and it said either Spain wins and their terrible federations feel more emboldened in their decision to ostracize their players for the sake of a terrible manager or England win and the English people are happy. Oh, what a terrible choice the world has given us. And yeah, that's exactly how I felt. But yeah, uh, it, You don't want English people being happy? Not all of them, no. Okay. Um, um, but <laughs> just but, a few. <laughs> just the six that I that I actually like. The, the, the good thing about the uh, England winning this final would would have meant that the a lot of English people would have been happy, but all the misogynistic, uh, sexist English fans w- wouldn't have been happy. So at least you're getting that like that that chunk of the English w- wouldn't have enjoyed it. So you, so maybe I I found myself rooting for England um, against my better judgment, but. I'm I'm a little bit salty even just talking about this because I would love to be talking about Kerr and Fowler and Rasso and uh, the you know our our girls, um, but obviously that yeah the England game didn't go our way. It was um, yeah that that was quite hard to take. I think. Do you uh, want to talk about the England game, guys? I'm I'm happy to tread on your 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 bad time and nah, we're done with. Uh, I think I think that's enough about the the World Cup. Uh, obviously, uh, we all we can all agree what what the Matildas have done and what this World Cup's shown is is going to be fantastic for the game in our country going forward and I think the game around the world going forward to the fact that you that you know you mentioned the number of people watching that was only bettered by Kathy Freeman in that um, France quarterfinal which was bettered by the the, the most semi-final. most watched TV, television program in Australian history ever was our Matildas as and that that deserves to be mentioned and it should be celebrated so and it just felt that third place game was maybe one game too many um Tony Gustafsson maybe didn't quite rotate um the squad as much as we thought he may have done so um, and it's look, and it's cannot, really hard to pick yourself up for that kind of I cannot thing. bring myself to care about a third place playoff we've, we've talked about this already I just think it's the stupidest thing to have in any tournament um but aside from maybe the Olympics where you 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 know the bronze medal might mean something to yeah, the, the smaller countries, but... Can I tell you something even more silly it. that I noticed this morning? So, obviously, um, the awards get given out after the tournament. So, Anita Bomati won the um, Golden Ball for the best part of the tournament. Mary Earp's got the Golden Glove, best goalkeeper. For some reason, they had the Bronze Ball, the, the Silver Ball, the bronze glove, the silver glove, and, and the silver boot and the bronze boot for the for the top three golden boot winners. So I'm not sure if that's something new or whether that's something um, that's been a permanent fixture in the women's game over a longer period of time, but I'm not 100% uh, sure it we, sits well with We all you. love a participation medal, don't we? Yeah. Oh, it's silly. Silly. Yeah, I, if you, if you, you don't give out a silver boot. Come on. The, the interesting thing that I noticed from this is pretty much every single federation 
um, has had like an issue. <laughs> and every single federation has been talking or, or, or football team has been talking about saying, listen, we need more help. We need more funding. We need more money. We need more access. We need a whole lot more. And it's, yeah, again, I, I, I get to sit in multiple hats here as a Nigerian New Zealander um, and kind of juxtapose that and look at like, what Nigeria accomplished. And again, I, I pointed it out to you that they were drinking bottled water that they had to get from the store. They didn't have like the Powerade drinks and everything like that. Um, and then going and juxtaposing that and being like, well, they actually got that far and they were like fighting their FA, asking for payments. But then even England were like, oh, we need more funding. Even Australia were like, we need more funding. And I think, I think hopefully this goes to show the fact that over a million people went and attended these games, right? Yeah. Like, like the, the the viewership, the numbers, the money that's come through. Hopefully, this goes to show that this is something that should be taken absolutely seriously, and the access is given out not just to, um, you know, high economic countries, but also to like just countries all over the place. Well, because I, this I can, is something that they can all play. I can tell you, the television contracts for the next Women's World Cup are going to be significantly better than. The, this World yeah. Cup, and yeah, and, and that is that is part of growing the sport, and hopefully that money will trickle down to uh, you know the good old trickle down economics. But the, the players will hopefully be able to get paid more, and and the leagues will will get more such because we know how good this game can be, and and this World Cup's just proved it. Before we, before I go to, to you, Tommy, to, to to summarize, but um, talking about the next World Cup, and it's, it's just two things really came to my mind today. One was um, I've got a boss who's great dude, um, and he's got and he's got kids. Massive surfer, big West Coast Eagles fan, your typical Australian. He's like, yeah, I've got my kids signed up for soccer, which I was like, well, how did this happen? He's like, yeah, my little boy asked me if we could join some soccer. So now we've got him going on to Friday night soccer, which again, terrific. He calls it soccer, call it football, sure. The other one was um, my football coach um, in New Zealand. We reached out to him just to talk about it. And he, I think he went to like all the games that he could go to with his daughter and was saying, this is the first Women's World Cup I've ever watched. And I tell you what, I'll be watching the next one. So that just shows you the impact that it's happened and having, yep. and hopefully that kind of stuff gets and, spread right the way. And then even uh, old mate Benson, who we talked about with him trying to spread the, the word to his mate by showing him that French World Cup ad. Um, his, his girlfriend, she's in her 20s, but now she's gone, she's watched the World Cup, never played before and goes, well, how do I find a club? How do I, how do I play? So all age groups, this is going to have a, a huge effect. And, yeah, if, if it carries through to the next World Cup, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be fantastic. And, and hopefully Australia are there and hopefully they do well. And, and I can imagine uh, – wh where is it, the next the next World Cup? I don't think it's been officially Announced, confirmed yeah. yet, but it could be – I think it could be South Africa. That I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of the time differences. When, when, was the, when were the games when they had the Men's World Cup in South Africa? Did we have – I was in New Zealand. It sucked. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Were they late night? Yeah, I think they were like eleven o'clock, one o'clock. Yeah, um, that's right. I'll be getting up at nine o'clock p.m. We'll be getting up oh, at yeah. one o'clock to watch the Tillies for sure. I suppose the final, the we? final, the final bow on that. If you're at my place, mate, I'm going to be dragging you out of bed. Yeah, I Carry suppose the time. final bow on the World Cup is that I think there was a lot of skepticism going into the tournament as to the expansion of the tournament and 32 teams and were we going to see a lot of blowouts? Um, I think there was a lot of concern, for example, about the USA-Vietnam game, which was in the group stages and I think people were expecting maybe double figures like it was when USA played Thailand four years earlier in the World Cup, um, but that was only 3-0 and I think that really sort of set the, the tempo for the rest of the tournament because I think the story that the media will gravitate to will be the giant, the giants being eliminated like USA, like Germany getting knocked out at the group stages. Um, like other teams, maybe not proceeding as far as they could have, but the real story is, is that Italy? some of these, 
uh, well, Italy potentially as well, but some of these emerging nations um, such as as Nigeria, such as um, I, just the teams that we saw in the group stage, South Korea, Morocco, um, obviously getting through to the next round as well. Um, Ireland obviously entertained us as well. A lot of these emerging nations have really sort of stepped up to the plate and really sort of taken it up to the traditional teams of women's football. And that's only encouraging and, and exciting to see what that's going to look like in four years' time. Yeah, fantastic. And we, we all look forward to that, I'm sure. Uh, we might as well move on to the uh, MPLW in Perth here. Tommy, we've we prefaced this by saying there's not a lot to talk about, but uh, one of the big uh, talking points will be who goes home with that silver boot. Uh, in the uh, women's competition, because that race is is hotting up into the final week. So what's the what's, silver boot? What's the status there? Well, yeah, you got to give a gold, silver, and a bronze these days. So uh, Tommy, yeah, what, what's what's the story? Who's in who's in charge, and and what what's left? So in terms of the golden boot race, um, Balcada defeated Mum FC by two goals to nil at the weekend. So it's not really a game that's going to affect the bearing on the league, unless Curtin beat NTC in both games, uh, which is very unlikely. So I just have to put that caveat out there. Um, But Tia Stonehill got both goals against Mum FC, and she's actually moved to the top of the golden boot race now, ahead of um, Raina Kagami. Are we supposed to be impartial, Sean? No, I never said that. (laughs) So so that's just a little wrinkle to look at going into the final game of the season. And both teams have pretty tough games. Balcatter have got Perth and, um, and Red Star have got Fremantle City at home. So... That's just a fascinating one to watch in terms of um, maybe the outside of team awards. Yeah, and and f- as far as the teams go, what's left to play for? So only really second place. In, so that's obviously a double chance for the top four cup. Perth currently occupy that position at the moment. I think they are two points clear of Fremantle City with the game left. Mm-hmm. I mentioned those fixtures before, which which were relevant. Perth had a 7-0 win over Curtin at the weekend, Jess Flannery hat-trick, and Fremantle City had a 4-3 win against NTC, um, which was probably the game of the weekend, and five five goals in the first 19 minutes there. So. Absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah. We were watching the highlights, and it was like second-minute goal, third-minute goal. What is going on here? And it went like that until, like you were saying, like the first 20 minutes, you're going... Is anyone going to defend? Grace Johnston scoring... Screamer. Scored a screamer from 35 yeah, yards. I was going to say, there were a couple of screamers, but you're talking about teams defending. I think I think they were just... It, it seemed like they were attacking the wrong goals a couple of times in those uh, those first few minutes. Just just some of the most, yeah, horrendous back passes you'll see. Uh, and, you know, this is... You know, we talk about... we talk, When we talked about Mark Scallon, who we'll get on to, Mark. We're going to talk about you a bit more on this podcast um, for another reason. But, you know, when he was saying that... Uh, um, the coach, you know, designates the way these players play and the NTC, we know, we know the way that they want to play and they're, they're instructed to play these passes and to, to play it back to your centre-half, play it back to your goalkeeper and it, it's going to lead to that. But, yeah, there, it was a bit of a horror show with some of the back passes early on. We do have to mention Iskia Brookings' goal, though, because she's just, making yeah. a habit of yep. scoring yep. spectacular goals and that was just another one. I, I, was, I was going to say, but there were just moments of absolute quality. Yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of them already. They, they were some, some stunning goals. Uh, other action around the league? I mean, Curtin will... Yeah, still a lot of issues that need to be solved there. We we were looking at the table before, and it's 150, 146, negative 146 goal difference now. Um, seven again on the weekend. I, there's serious questions need to be asked about whether the team should be in the league and and what we can do to, to improve it if they are going to be kept in the league. Thank goodness they're not Morley right now. Go on. 
Uh, Morley uh, had another forfeit, so they're going to lose points. And they're currently on five points. That'll be deducted, I think, another 10-point deducted. So they'll be on minus points. So um, shout out to Curtin for not worse. being the worst yeah. <laughs> team in the league. Well, there you go. In, yeah. all, in all seriousness, though, and I think I flagged this about a month or so ago, the, the players do deserve praise for still turning up. And, we said that We and, said and, that first first few weeks. This is not, There's nothing against these players. And, yeah, and we've you know, we used the example. If Kalichi was asked to come play fullback for Floriat, he'd probably still go and do it. But... You know, may not be up to the standard. And and to be fair to them, staying in has still kept integrity in the league. Again, no matter what you want to say about that, there is still integrity that has been in this league, which is something you cannot say about State Division 2 right now because of the situation that happened there. Um, but going back to the games, did you see some of the goals from the um, the Red Star game? Yeah. Rid- Ridley. Oh, Jaina with the finishes. little Oh, my word. The second one was a really good snapshot finish off a, off a corner yeah. when the loose ball came through. I love the, the com- first, first one's goal. Oh, for the me. composure to just, mm. like, it, it's like a dink, but the dink goes over the crossbar and back into the goal. It was a lovely finish. It was just a little clip, wasn't it, yeah. almost? Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. I have to point out that every time I've met the um, the, the Ridley family uh, down there, they're the most lovely people as well. So if you're listening, um, we enjoyed that goal as much as you guys did. Uh, any Anything else that we... We saw across that uh, weekend of fixtures that you wanted to point out, Tommy. So just something worth mentioning: classy touch from Subiaco in that game, a guard of honor for uh, the champions lovely, for Red Star. Lovely, so yep. that was that was nice to see. Um, and, and as we mentioned before, Jana Ridney got two, Sophia Neal got one. Red Star still have players setting up, uh, stepping up. There, there have been players who um, were absent across the weekend. I'm guessing partly because there was a uh, a big women's World Cup um, <laughs> game or two that were happening over the weekends. But um, look, it's it's very much the end of the season now. We're sort of just looking ahead now really to the State Cup final and the Top 4 Cup. One little wrinkle, though, which I did forget to mention on last week's podcast, though, is that Balcada, um won the MPLW Under-21s competition. Um, mm-hmm. They beat Perth Red Star by a goal to nil. Uh, not last week, the week before now, um, when I was down there before I did the Red Star Balcata game, and I forgot to mention it. So, look, I know we did have a chat about Balcata last week um, in terms of maybe at first team level, they've not quite reached um, their level of potential in terms of the senior talent, but they clearly do have some good players coming through that under-21 system, and they are a club that have always supported the the younger teams in, in terms of, of girls' football, and, um, and yeah, they certainly seem like they've got a good crop of players that they've been able to assemble, and, um, yeah, they've obviously won a league, and I, I suspect we'll likely see them either around the league or, or hopefully from Babacata's perspective in their first team next year. Yeah, it'd be fantastic to see some of those younger players coming through. Uh, Kalichi, before we wrap up this part one, uh, you got another point I to make? I don't know if I remember if you said it might not have been listening, mate, but are there any permutations in the games this weekend in terms of how the league finishes up and how the top four cup might look like? Yeah, so... I love that we have Tommy here where I can just be like, Tommy, I don't know this. Do you know? And Tommy's like, yeah, actually, I do know I, I think he did, he did touch on this. We got Perth two points clear in second spots. So I, I listen when he's talking about Is there anyone that can breach that top four, the top four set? The top four set, unless yeah. NTC lose both games. Oh, that was what you were saying. Balk had a win this weekend. But, but what I was also saying is if, for example, Fremantle win and Perth lose, then all of a sudden Fremantle will have the second chance game kind of yeah. thing. They do have a double chance, so it would change the, um, the, the, the makeup of that top four cup in a fortnight's time. The other interesting wrinkle as well, I suppose, is if Perth win and Frio win this week, we will have exactly the same same top four this year in the exact same order as we did last year. Uh, well, there you go. And uh, we talk about the Golden Boot Award. Obviously, there's other more prestigious awards uh, in uh, Perth football. And one of those is the Perth Football Podcast 
Players Player of the Year, Kalichi, which we've just started collecting some votes for. Obviously, it's all, all very secretive and we're not going to let you know who voted for themselves. We assume a couple of goalkeepers will have voted for themselves again. That's all That's all we'll say. No one um, has voted for themselves this year. Well, oh, you outlawed it. We've been very clear to outlaw <laughs> voting for themselves. We've also been very clear to say, listen, just to make this really worth your while, you can't vote for your teammates. Ooh. And guess how many people have voted for nothing but their teammates? About 10. Mm. So I've had to put it in caps, being like, please do not vote for your team or your teammates. Footballers aren't always the brightest. You need, and I just, I just want to say to the coaches, you're doing an amazing job getting these people to listen to you because I, <laughs> I've put it in huge caps. I yeah. sent it in the text message that was into the group. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, if you've done that and you're listening, please vote again and vote for someone who is not your teammates. Remember, yeah. we need five people from your team to vote so that the team, so the votes for the people in your team count. Basically, that is to say that if you are a Red Star player and you reckon Rain is going to get a bunch of awards because he's had a terrific season, then we need five of you to vote for players in the other teams so that those votes that do come to Rainer count. And this way, everybody can say, listen, we voted for no one in our team. And you know for a fact that if someone in your team wins an award, they've been voted by their peers from everybody else. It's not well. just going to be because people are friends. It's so, like, so Gordon Smith's not going to pick up any cheap votes. This is what you're telling me. Uh, also, from his teammates, not in the women's, he won't. <laughs> also, Mr. Popularity, Chris Jackson won't get any um, <laughs> any votes from just being. I'm a, voting for you, Chris. You're, you're my you're, you're my pundits player of the year, mate. Um, but uh, we will get we'll get onto the men's. We'll uh, yes slip away from all this women's football that we've loved so much over the last couple of weeks. Congratulations again, uh, reluctantly to Spain and England for for their performances. Good on you, Tillies, and uh, we, España. And we've got some uh, delicious top four cup action coming up over the next couple of weeks. But we'll be back uh, to touch on some of the men's football after this.